Millennial Way, a podcast made for the on-the-go millennial, giving you tips and advice on how to up-level your career, teaching you the things they don't teach you in school. When they ask why, just tell them it's the Millennial Way. Here's your host, Chase Coleman. Y'all, welcome back to another episode of The Millennial Way. I have one amazing guest for you guys coming on in just a couple of minutes. I am sitting here drinking water and Gatorade, and that's right. I'm traveling out to going out to the Northeast, and I'm really pumped, really pumped to get out to the Northeast, all of the the beautiful Northeast. And, man, I'm telling you guys this, though. I know for a fact I'm going to be one of the few people wearing a dang jacket because it is going to be cold, and they're going to tell me that it's not cold, but guess what? It's going to be cold. And I'm telling you guys, I got to start preparing with this water and Gatorade for my liver. Because I know for a fact, we're going to be drinking over the weekend. And it's going to be a great time. But if I don't get ready for the weekend accordingly, then it could be a shit show to say the least. (laughs) Now, I do want to touch on March Madness real quickly. Jordan, who we had on the show last week, called it. He called it, guys. He had Virginia going all the way as much as... Mm, I was expecting a little bit of a different outcome. I'm super excited to see the Who's win. Shout out to my boy Evan Nolte, who used to play at Virginia. I know he was at the game last night, and I know that he was, I mean, shoot, he was probably ecstatic. I wish I could have seen Nolte's face. I got to win two state championships with him, travel all around the country, but I could only imagine how he was looking after seeing this win. And I'm going to be real honest with you guys. Now that March Madness is over, I'm kind of sad about it. The tournament was amazing this year. There's so much volatility. Auburn made it to the Final Four. Texas Tech made it to the Final Four. You know, we have a Michigan State alum who's coming on the show. And just in all honesty, when we interviewed each other, when I was interviewing Brandon, Michigan State was still in the tournament at the time. So, you know, I feel a little bad for Sparty, but at the same time, can't be too mad because shout out to my boy Evan once again. But now that means it's time for the NBA playoffs, y'all. And if you guys know me and if you haven't been able to figure this out, I'm a huge basketball fan. Huge basketball fan. And I cannot wait to watch the NBA playoffs and hopefully see the Spurs make it out of round one. But before we get into today's episode, I was listening to some of my favorite music, a.k.a. Drake. And I had one of his old songs playing, and it was Pound Cake slash Paris Morton Music 2. And if you guys know me, I love some of... Uh, Drake's slower, more like vibey songs, but this one part ended up start that came out on this song was one of my favorites of all time of his like, call it, I don't want to call it an ad lib because it's not him, but samples or cameos of somebody else, and I want to play it for you guys before we get started, because this is truly how I feel about the millennial way. I mean, shoot, it's only true. But y'all, before we get into today's episode, I have one quick plug. Make sure you head to It's Millennial Talk. Sign up for our newsletter. It is about to be dope. You're going to have recaps of blog posts, recaps of the Millennial Way podcast, and we're also going to have some great exclusive content on there. I would hate for you guys to miss out on that. Head to itsmillennialtalk.com and go check it out. And now, let's get into this. I have one hell of a guest today. Now, before I even introduce Brandon, let me tell you guys something about how I met Brandon. So I was lucky enough to go to Coachella last year. My buddy Howard hit me up. I want to say about like three weeks at the beginning of March-ish last year in 2018 and was like, yo, you need to come to Coachella with us. And if you guys know me, you know that immediately I'm like, uh, yeah, I want to go to Coachella. I want to go do a little bit of bougie things. How am I going to get there? Where am I staying? What am I doing? All that stuff like that. So luckily enough, Howard was the first person that introduced me to the Google Drive and realizing that, hmm, this is the best way to travel. And then he threw me into all these group chats. And seriously, I just immediately started talking crap to all these guys. I was like, I'm about to come out. I'm about to be the, the biggest partier. I can't wait to meet you guys. But like, let's go do this journey together. And once I showed up to Coachella, fast forward a little bit. Howard and I are, and Mitch are, and I are the first people to show up to the dang apartment or the villa, whatever we want to call it. 
And then in come these dudes from Michigan State, and B-Max and I bonded immediately. And with all of that being said, I'm not even going to dive into it too much because this dude is way too funny, way too cool, and one hell of a professional. Guys, I am more than pleased to introduce to you guys Brandon Max, who works at Adobe living out in New York City. Brandon, how are you doing today, man? What is going on? First and foremost, I just want to say that we are renaming this show to the Be Nasty Show. Um, follow me on Twitter. <laughs> um, we need some like soapbox shit. So when like you have like little clapping or like gunshots, that's what, that's what we're gonna have this episode. It's gonna be nuts. But uh, yeah, man, Coachella, the Coachella show. was amazing. The Be Nasty, yeah, Millennial Way. What? <laughs> I hope the listeners. I hope every single listener gets to hang out with Chase one day because let me tell you, he came in talking shit and backed it up completely. Like, he was out there having a great time. He was, oh, man, I can't even go into the details because I don't know if that's, I don't know, I don't want to put you out there like that, but let me tell you this guy again. <laughs> oh, we had a blast. And I think, like, our biggest bonding moment was when we were sitting there in that, I know you remember this, that girl was, like, completely messed up to oblivion. And her friend was just kind of watching over her. And I literally had one water in my hand and just was like, hey, like, do you need this water? Like, you guys look like you need it more than we do. And she was like, no, 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 we're good, we're good, we're good. And I remember looking at you and looking at Mitch and going, <laughs> yeah, well, I don't need this water. And I just threw it at her. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you are going into details like that. <laughs> just a little bit, yeah. just a little bit. Yeah, and that was a great bonding yeah. moment because we realized you know, Chase may like We're the party, but he's a nice guy. And, <laughs> and this is what happens when you put working professionals in a non-professional place. No, I'm kidding. Oh, my gosh. No, it was amazing. Also, half the other time, you would just see Chase over there talking to everybody, just like arm against a tree, just like, hey, what's going on? How are you? Just like, oh, man, this guy can network and also talk his way into anything. Love it. Oh, man. We met some really cool people while we were there. It was definitely one hell of an experience and something that I, I hope to go back to. And the biggest piece for me wasn't even Coachella. I think it was going there and meeting 14 other people that I had never met before and reconnecting with an old high school friend and then really making these lifelong friends. Like, I talked to you. I talked to Mitch. I saw Mitch last time I was in Chicago. It might have been 4 a.m. because it was the only time I could see him, but I, I saw him. And then ended up missing my flight. Long story short, um, but like I've, you know, I talked to Cam pretty often. Still talk to Howard. Talk to Mitch. Like everyone that like was in that group really truly felt like family. And I think that's one thing. You know, let's start with with this because the fact that like we all went to something where we only knew a certain small group of people, and we were just talking about this before the show, Brandon. Where, in my opinion that was a big learning lesson for me was just being able to not be afraid to go out on a limb and put yourself out there. Right. Because like Coachella, it's a music festival. It's in Southern California. It's going to be hot. You got to wear something over your face. So that way you don't get dust all up in your lungs all day. But like everyone, right. oh, there, everyone's relatively drunk or on some type of drugs or something like that. But it can be a very uncomfortable place to be if you don't know anybody. But if you're just willing to take that, that step out and go, you know what, I'm an adult now, I'm a working professional. For me, I was like, I don't really know that many people in Seattle. I've always wanted to go to Coachella. I, you know what, there's 15 other people going. I don't know if I'm going to know one of them, but they have to be pretty cool if they like to do the same things that I do. And I don't know if that was your same experience, but like for me, I was like, this is going to be fun. And then when I finally got there and realized that like these are all new people to me, but they're all going to be in my life for a very long time was kind of like that clicking moment where I was like, we're now entering adulthood and our friends from high school, our friends from college, yes, they're still always going to be there, but I actually click with people who do the same things as me more often, right? Like, I don't know. That was my experience. I'd love to hear a little bit about kind of like what made you want to go and go meet all these new people and go party. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, I a hundred percent agree. And I think, I think that's like an important thing is to just get out of your comfort zone a little bit and just like, Someone invites you to something, it might not, even if like, you know, it's not 100% your thing, go try it out and see what it's like. You know, the worst that happens is you go home, you know, like whatever. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and luckily Coachella, like I love, I'm like a huge hip hop head. I love rap music. I love music in general. And that was like a bonding thing between all of us. It's like we could sit down in a set and just kind of vibe. So 
That was oh, super yeah. helpful. And then on top of that, everybody was dope. Everybody was dope. Like we were, we the first ten minutes, we were just like, all right, well, where's the booze? Let's go. And who's getting the chicken wings? And and I don't even remember who win. Maybe you like just came back with like sixty chicken wings. And it was the best time of my life. Right from that moment, it was amazing. Um, oh, it was. Yeah, so I think I think you just have to like get out of your comfort zone a little bit. You know, there's always gonna be there's always gonna be something new, exciting to do, and just try not to say no, and you know, see where it takes you. I actually talk to my buddy a lot about like uh, meeting new friends, like because he's he's kind of stuck into like the well, shit. My best friends are you know in high school, blah blah blah. Like I can't find anybody that I relate to as close to as I do as them. Um, Mm-hmm. And the thing is, like, you don't have to have the bestest of friends in the world. Like, it becomes that way. You don't meet someone and you're like, hey, we're best friends ever. Happen to be with me and Chase, but, you know, <laughs> we're two cool guys. So Exactly. <laughs> but I think, like, you can just relate on little things and build up. And, like, that's how you have to make friends as an adult, you know? Like, people don't open up as easily as, they, as you know, as you were a kid. So things like that. Yeah, totally, bro. And I think you hit on something really important there is, like, don't say no to things. And when you don't say no, like follow through and do it right now. I've been a terrible advocate for this at times where I've said, I'm going to do things and I've actually over promised rather than over delivered. And you don't want to be that way under promise (laughs) over deliver, right? They teach you that at work, but also it's like, get out of your comfort zone and you're going to be able to connect with people on such a deeper level, right? Like the thing I think about like when we're children or, you know, kids or just younger in general is that you do, things that are different than you do in your adulthood, right? Like I was an athlete all growing up. Now, if you were to ask me if I'm an athlete now, I'll tell you that I'm a retired athlete, but that doesn't mean well, that you I'm better be in a rec league. <laughs> I know you, I know you got some athletic skills. Listen, you ain't, you ain't missing me on the basketball court. I'll tell you that you, if you find me <laughs> out there, be prepared to be getting close to be getting dunked on. Cause I ain't dunking on nobody. But <laughs> be to, very to that close. point, it's, you're very, very close, bro. I'm hitting the net in the backboard every single time. But point <laughs> being is just that, like, you have to be able to get out there, get out of your comfort zone, and then connect with people who have like interest with you nowadays. And if that means that your old buddies are no longer your closest, closest friends because of, call it proximity, or because their interests have changed, that's okay. Like, that happens all throughout our lives. I, my best friend from kindergarten was not my best friend in middle school who was not my best. Well, actually, I mean, Zach was my best friend in middle school and in high school, but like, you know, <laughs> you find those select, um, you find those select few that end up sticking with you for a very long time, but you continue to add on to that. And like, I look at my parents now and they have some of their best friends from when they were younger, but the people that they hang out with nowadays, the people that they talk to the most are the people who are around them who have the same interests. So it's like, get out your comfort zone, go do all that stuff. And I mean, shoot, like, I talked to you, I talked to Cam, who we met at Coachella, I talked to Mitch Schwartz and Mitch Furman, who we met at Coachella, and I talked to Howard more than I've talked to ever in my life, obviously, and it's like, I, I love you guys, you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's a cool relationship to be able to build it in adulthood, and shoot, like, I'm more than proud of you, more than excited for all the fun stuff that everybody has coming up, and with all of this being said, our first topic is talking about work, um, so you work at Adobe, which is a huge tech company, and I would love to hear about your experience from Michigan State, who's still in the NCAA tournament, go Sparty, um, Ooh, and go hear green. about like what what interests you, what interested you to get your degree, and then like from Michigan State, what were the steps that you took in order to land at such a high-powered tech company like Adobe that continues to grow? I mean, I see them on the stock market, and they continue to just like tick up and up and up and up and up. And I'm like, hmm, maybe I should invest. But, you know, with all that being said, would love to switch that over to you, Brandon, and really just hear about your journey. Well, first and foremost, I suggest everybody who has the capacity to invest, to invest in Adobe. That shit is going up crazy. And that's one of the few reasons, well, one of the many reasons that I've stayed. Because, like, as I joined, it's just, it's like doubled and doubled. It's crazy, Um, which is amazing. Um, but yeah, like I got into technology as a kid, really. And it's weird because a lot of people I hear, oh, like I went to college. I didn't know what I wanted to do. I had to take a couple of classes, which is perfectly okay, obviously. But like, I knew what I wanted to do 
when I was a kid. I'm one of those kids that like, what do you want to be as a as adult? I was like, computer programmer at like six. They're like, what? <laughs> <laughs> so I just uh, have been like trying, you know, I've been play. I play video games on the computer, and then I started making websites, and then I got into college, and I was like, oh, there's a computer science degree. Like, let's do it. So I went through that all the way and uh, did internships here and there. Got an internship at Adobe. They offered me a full time okay. to come to New York, and I was I was like, why not? Let's go. Oh yeah, and would you say that your internship was really helpful as to what you're doing today? Right, like I think a lot of people who do internships can either find them super valuable or not valuable at all. So I'd love to hear about your how you picked Adobe as a intern, like to be an intern there, because I'm sure you had plenty of other companies that you were looking at or and that was recruiting you. Um, and then also kind of like your experience as an intern in a tech company versus being a full-time role. Yeah. Um, so I want to talk a little bit on tech companies in general. And I think that they have a pretty good attitude towards interns and of like not making the coffee, you know, not making them like yeah. take notes for the boss. Um, Cause I hear, I hear like finance people or some other types of industries make people do that. Uh, which is not very yep, nice. It's very true. <laughs> it's not. It's um, not productive for anybody. <laughs> right. Like, why are you paying me to do this? I mean, I'm, I, I honestly would be kind of okay with that. Like, all right, I'll chill and take your money. I don't care. I'll work on something else, and I'm not giving you your coffee. <laughs> um, true. That's very true. But yeah, so I, I think that the internship really was like accurate in what I'd be doing. At first they had me, I mean, even in the tech company, they can have you doing things that like aren't the most exciting. They had me um, translating the website. So what I would do is basically go through the whole website's code and look for like text, you know, any kind of English, okay. like any, it's called any string. And I would basically wrap it in a function. That was it. So I go through all these code and just do that day after day. And it was kind of almost the okay. equivalent of getting coffee. Um, <laughs> but but I told I told my manager or whoever I was around at the time I was like yo I want to do something fun like I want to make something happen and that's where Adobe really won my heart over is because they listened and they're like you know what build this sweet mm -hmm. feature it's going to be used inside the office it's going to be an internal thing for everybody to see it's going to be on the it's going to be on the screen we've been meaning to get to it but we just haven't got it so I built this like really sick thing that was that's still on the screen today that's still on the TV in the office today. And Dang. it was really fun. And, and that was like, I was like, all right, they listen, they pay well, work-life balance is good. Like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go there. Um, so that's what made me choose them over, you know, the other internship, which I was at Barracuda Networks, which is more of like an old-fashioned tech company, you know, kind of hardware. They do a lot of database stuff, a lot of storage stuff. And they were more yeah. like, they were a little bit more old-fashioned. They, they kind of had what they needed to do what they needed done, written down, and no, nothing was going to change that. You know, like, you had your tasks, and that mm -hmm. was it. Um, so I definitely, definitely enjoyed Adobe way more than my past internships. Um, so what would you say yeah. is more of a – because you talked about, like, Barracuda being more of, like, an old-school mentality, right? What would you – how would you compare, like, Adobe to somebody being more old-school? Because – the way that I in the, understand the tech industry is that the biggest players that innovate win all the time. Google, Adobe, Facebook, um, Pinterest, right? Like, and I'm just naming a few out of, out of all of them, Apple to be, to say the least. But it's like, I've heard that if you're at the forefront of innovation and you continue to change all of the time, that's the bigger tech companies that win, i.e. Netflix beating out and putting out a business blockbuster. But we'd love to hear from you kind of your take on the differences between an old-fashioned tech company and a newer tech company, just because I don't think a lot of people really truly understand the differences between them. Yeah, and speaking of Netflix, dude, they're killing it. Like, are they going to put on movie theaters? Like, are they gonna, what, what's going to happen at this That's point? That's a great you know? question. Like they're, they're producing <laughs> everything from the, – they're writing the scripts. They're, they're hiring actors. Like, Netflix is Hollywood at this point, in my opinion. I don't know. It literally is. Um, yeah. But speaking on old-fashioned companies versus new, is I, think, I think the main difference here, like, plain and simple, is just old-fashioned companies are always trying to catch up. Ford. Ford, like, okay. saw Tesla doing electric cars, and they're like, we need to get in on that. 
Like, and now you're already behind, you know? So just yeah. like you said, you have to be the first to innovate. You can't catch up. You can't play catch up. Yeah, no, you're right. Like, I just can't imagine always playing catch up to try to gain a share of market, right? Like, I just can't imagine my competitors beating me out day in and day out on everything to the point where it's like, guys, we're late. Like, we need to do this and we need to commercialize this fast. And in my and opinion, that's where you run into a lot of mistakes. Right, exactly. Like, you start rushing, you don't plan it thoroughly, you know, things happen that wouldn't have if you weren't in the pinch type, you know, mode or the, you know, we got to get this out yeah. type mode. Um, a oh, lot yeah. of things old companies in my, like a lot of things old companies do is they have this process that they've just done for years, you know, like they, they don't, they don't adapt. They're not agile as we call in the tech world. Like we have an agile development, which means that we go in and we re, we rethink what we're going to do basically every two weeks. We, we talk about what needs to be done and kind of reevaluate it on a micro level every two weeks. You know, we, of course, we have a roadmap still, like, every couple uh, – every quarter or something. But, like, every two yeah. weeks, if we, if we really decide that something on the roadmap wasn't correct, like, fuck it. Move on. Like, don't do it, you know? Mm-hmm. That's cool. Um, See, I that's, feel like, that's so cool I feel like because... a lot of the other ones don't do that. No, I'm with you. And, like, you know, when you work for a big company, you realize how slow things move at times. Like – for example, in in my world, things move, like we commercialize products, call it like a year out, like legitimately. And it just takes a while for things to get going. And, you know, when I was talking to Howard about Facebook or you about Adobe and just hearing about the speed to market, now for sure, like difference in technology versus actually yeah. like going and farming coffee. But at the same time, it's like True. the fastest companies win at the end of the day and sure that might only be like one small nuance about the company but it's a huge thing to to state is just like our speed to market's unreal um and that's really how like has howard been on this um, uh, podcast i'm i'm getting him on i've been working on getting his busy butt um you know on this and he just continues to say he wants to fly up to seattle howard if you're listening to this we can (laughs) do this over the phone need to have you on um (laughs) But I do, I think First of all, something else yeah. that's important. Um, and the other thing that I think you touched on that's important is just the fact that you were doing things on your own from the beginning, right? You were starting websites, you were building websites, you were doing a bunch of different things. And I know we talked a little bit about that on, on that before the, uh, this call, but would love to hear kind of like, would love to just hear your thoughts on doing things on your own and starting things on your own because I I've started the millennial way and it's millennial talk by myself. And I'll tell you this, man, it has been fun to say the least, but it's a struggle <laughs> teaching myself all the technical aspects, coding, how to get a dang player embedded in my site. Like I I've built my site from the ground up and I've built everything about really? my podcast by myself. And it's just, and I mean like, you know, it's, it's insane to be able to say I've done that and it's cool to be able to learn and teach myself all these different skills. But at the same time, it's like, man, I could it's use tough. a little it's bit tough. of help. So yeah, I'd love to hear hear your thoughts on this, man. Cause you've built plenty of websites. Well, first of all, the fact that you were able to speak the way you are and do everything you just mentioned is like, you know, like hats off to you because a lot of people, you know, need to like work on their social skills before they can even do anything. You know, they can't talk. And you, you do it yeah. all, so hats off to you. Um, I appreciate that. But, yeah, just doing, doing things on your own. I can, only speak, I can only speak mostly for the tech industry, so I'm kind of biased. Um, and a lot of things in the way the tech industry going is right now is, like, there's boot camps. A lot of people don't think you need a computer science degree to really, you know, do what we do every day. And I, I 100% agree. I think, I think our computer science should be more of a trade school thing instead of, like, a degree, okay. you know? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. The problem with these boot camps is, is it's not like an accredited type of university or uh, accomplishment. So you have to really work hard on your own. You have to do side projects. You have to do all these types of things to fill out your resume. Otherwise, you say, oh, I got a yeah. boot camp from University of Phoenix or whatever the fuck it is. No <laughs> offense to them. Shout out. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out you, um, you a Phoenix, baby. Yeah, I don't even know. I think that's like an online school. I don't even know what that is. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's the thing is, like, it's a lot harder to get in through that way. But 
on that thing, doing things on your own in general is just so, you don't understand the minute things that you have to do. Starting a business, and like Howard would be a great person to talk about this because I think he's starting his own thing right now, and he's an amazing dude. He's mad at me because I'm not joining with him. Like he tried to get, hire me or whatever, and I was like, ah, and he's like, you're an asshole. So get him on here, <laughs> have him talk about this too. But, um, yeah, no, like, so I've tried, I've, I started off freelancing as I'm in high school. So I would go on odesk.com, which I think is now owned by like freelance.com. And these people would pay like, you know, pennies to the actual price that you should pay to get me to do something. Mm-hmm. And that's all about the learning experience. So like, sometimes you have to take a pay cut to do what you need to do, um, to get that yeah. learning, you know, take a pay cut to get the knowledge. Absolutely. And that's one thing that I think is important for people to invest in themselves, right? If there's something that you truly want to do, go learn it. I mean, like we have access to the internet now and I mean, the World Wide web is truly worldly. Like you can find pretty much anything that you want, whether it be in a podcast, whether it be in a blog, whether it be on a YouTube video, like anything. I mean, shoot, like coming into my last role at Starbucks slash Nestle when I was an associate sales planner, I knew nothing about Excel. Well, I was at Starbucks, and then I moved over to Nestle in the same role. So it's a little complicated, but since we were bought out, like, I technically didn't change roles until, you know, I got promoted again. But my the point was, like, I didn't know anything about Excel, and my manager knew this. And he was like, you know what, Chase? Like, I see some drive in you. I see the fact that you're willing to learn about this. Like, take the time and learn it. And he gave me two months essentially two months to learn Excel. And I mean, everything about Excel from building simple charts and graphs to putting that function. Right. So yeah, yes, bro. Like it was unreal. And the things that I'm able to do with Excel now are crazy, but those two months were so frustrating that I even went as far as getting certified in business analytics through Harvard business school online and showing my manager that I was willing to learn even more than what he was just teaching me was enough for him to be like, you got this. And sure, it took two, three, four, five months for me to actually get relatively good at it. But once I was good at it, he was no longer checking my work. He was just, hey, I need you to build this, and I really need it, you know, by Friday. And I'm like, oh, shoot, it's Tuesday. I got time. And it just it instilled <laughs> confidence in myself, and it also instilled confidence in him, and it created a great working relationship. But it was all because I was willing to go out and do those extra things which is exactly what you were just saying. It's like, if you want to get into tech, if you want to be an engineer, if you want to code, go take one of these boot camps. But the boot camp isn't enough in itself, right? you got to take the boot camp and then you have to apply it because you can't just put on your resume that you got got certified through this um, boot camp that's unaccredited, right? But what you can say is, I was certified in coding through this boot camp and I built – nine and a half websites because the 10th is I'm working on right now and X, Y, Z, and here's what I learned from it and all that stuff like that. So I think that's so valuable, bro. It's just the fact that, you know, kudos to you and com- I commend you for just going out and learning for yourself and then doing side projects to, like you said, take a pay cut just to build up my resume. And I think that's amazing. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, I'm sure this will be applicable to any type of field if you, I mean, most fields, if you do, if you, if it, if it's been out long enough, there's going to be materials to learn about it. Excel is fucking thousands of years old. Like you can Google any problem you have in Excel and probably find a pretty good guy. You might have to search a little bit, but like you find what you need in the minimum, figure it out from there, you know? Oh yeah, exactly. Exactly. And one thing that I'm working on is like increasing our SEO, which is our search engine optimization. I'm working on, like, getting, like, our Instagram and Facebook uh, a little bit louder for people, even creating an email list so that way we can just continue to get more subscribers to the millennial way, continue to push out more content for people. But, Brandon, you being an expert, man, I would love to understand, like, what your tips and advice would even be for me or anyone else who's out there, like, starting their own thing. I've been doing this for about, like, two years now, but still, like, I, I need help. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I uh... – I'm I'm almost in the same boat. Like I've tried I've tried tons of ventures, and you you don't realize how many minute things there are to do. Like the Instagram page. Oh wait, there's a Facebook page. Oh wait, should I do a Twitter? Like 
there's and that's yep. just social media let alone like the logistics if you're shipping something or like you got you know maybe you're lucky enough to have another person work for you like that there's so many tiny little things that add up that you don't even realize um yeah you're absolutely right dealing with other people is tough too like you luckily you're you know you get there but also that that adds another part to the equation <laughs> that is a complex part of the equation right that means we're growing we need help but holy crap especially like as entrepreneurs right like when you own your own thing and you're doing your own thing, it's like you you hold on to it like it's your dang baby. And if something doesn't look right, if something doesn't sound right, if something is just off a little bit, like you take it so personally and you just want to like take a hold of it and like fix it. And I think one thing that I've realized is that you got to be able to let go at some point. Now I'm not at the yes. point to let go yes. of this bad boy yet. You know what I'm saying? But like, as we continue to build, as more people come on board, it'll be more of like, hey, like, I trust you to do the work. Send it to me for approval. And I'm not going to change too much because I trust that what you're doing is going to be in good faith and good good work and good uh, credibility for the business. And as long as it stays within your, like, call it, like, strategic ladders, right? I'm, I'm talking corporate now. But if, as long as it stays on the, the same pathway that you're moving towards, it's like, I need to keep that bad boy rolling. And, and you just got to kind of take a step back, let people do the work and then empower them to do the work too. But that's like, man, I'm talking years out from now from where I'm at. So I can only imagine what yeah, and I, other people I are going think, through. I, I think you can relate that to, to corporate life too. Like what, something I've realized as I've grown in my role and like whenever there's, you know, a junior-esque type person to mentor or whatever, like you can't be a helicopter parent, basically. Nobody yeah. likes a helicopter parent. It creates a toxic environment. It creates a you know, less trusting environment. So sometimes you just have to trust in people and sometimes things don't go as well as you'd like and maybe you have to deal with that, but that's part of the, you know, that's all part of the process and the growing pains. And that's actually yeah, a good no, problem to have. Like if you're getting there, you're doing well. Exactly, bro. And I think you touched on something that's perfect is like you can't have a manager that's a helicopter manager. Like if they're looking over <laughs> your shoulder, if they're looking at I other things that. you're doing, like, you just feel anxious. You feel like you're, you don't feel confident in yourself, right? Like you immediately lose that confidence right then and there. It's like, oh, well, you don't trust me. You don't think I'm doing good work. So I'm just going to, you know, if you want to do it, go ahead. And it's almost like you don't quit, but you get into a, to this mindset where, like you said, it's toxic. Like you don't want to have a relationship with your manager. You don't ever want to talk to them. You probably never want them to review your work. Like <laughs> you, it, it gets into a place where it's like, you know, like parenting where, I, and I don't know yeah. anything about parenting, but I I could tell I could see it where it's like some of our friends who were like the baddest kids in high school were because their mom and dad had to know where they were every freaking step of the day, and they were just doing nothing yeah, they but wanted like to, to get around it. <laughs> exactly, and it's it's natural human nature. Like people say, like oh no, those are just high schoolers or whatever. Uh, nope, I've seen. 30, 40, 50 year old professionals rebel. <laughs> like, <laughs> if they have a micromanager, this guy was pouring coffee in the drink. <laughs> he was in the corporate kitchen going nuts, bro. He was turning the microwave on with nothing in it. <laughs> Did you That's see that? Mike just put his finger in all of the espresso. All of the espresso. <laughs> no, but. <laughs> That would be, you know, that would actually be pretty comical if I saw that at the, at the office. I'd be like, ooh, somebody might be uh, leaving tomorrow. But still, like, to your point, bro, it's just you, you don't need anybody who's going to helicopter parent you, helicopter manage you, and you got to be able to get that trust from your manager. And I think it goes both ways, right? Like, you got to prove and show that you're willing to work and learn and do all the things that they're asking of you. But you also need it to be a two-way street or else it's always going to be like, you're doing so much and, and your manager's only meeting you not halfway there, not even a quarter of the way there, but maybe 10% of the way there. And there's going to be a huge disconnect driving bad work and a loss of trust. And inevitably people, people leave, people, you know, are unhappy and, and no one wants to have a unhappy work-life balance. But um, yeah, one thing you touched on too earlier was just the work-life balance of tech companies. And I think that's really interesting because, Every company talks about work-life balance, but I don't think every company actually values it the same way. But as I hear about the different tech companies and how they're set up, right, like Microsoft out here in Bellevue, 
has a huge intramural field right in the, in the middle of their campus because the founders went to Stanford and actually played soccer, and that's how they networked, and that's how they came up with their idea for Microsoft or for Google. Oh, shoot, I might be getting them all switched up. But either either or, like, you hear about, like, Apple has this big open campus. Google has this big open campus, and they, you know, provide you lunch and all these different, like, perks. But at the end of the day, Here's my question like for you. Are, is that work, is that work like balance? I don't know. See, and that's what that's a that's a question to for it to be had. The way that I see it is it's a balance. I don't know not being in it doesn't give me like I don't have enough of a perspective to say, you know what, it's not work life balance because they're keeping you on campus because they want you to work more or it's saying it's a good escape during a lunch hour and you still get to leave at five, five thirty. You get what I'm saying? Like I just yeah. don't know the perspective of it. So I'd love to hear your perspective actually on like work-life balance. Is it truly work-life balance? And how are you able to balance your life in such a busy city such as New York where there's things going on literally all the time, all day? Yeah, no, I uh, I, I actually don't have like the most experience with those huge campuses and like the, you know, basketball field. Now. I live, I'm, the Adobe office in New York is like, in a pretty big building. It's no Google building. Like the New York office of Google is nuts. They have everything you'd imagine, but the Adobe ones, like, yeah. it's really cool. It's artsy. It's open, you know, and you know, they give you lunch here and there, but like, it's not with the soccer field and shit like that. So I can't speak to that directly, but I can tell you that yeah. like all my managers are like, Oh no, you don't want to work there. Like they, they keep you there all day. That's why that's it's not, you're not actually, in, you know, you're just, you think you're going to play soccer, but then all of a sudden you're coding nine hours more than you usually would. So <laughs> that's, that's what I hear. And I think some people are, are uh, susceptible to, you know, you're oh, like, I'm at my desk, I'm at work. Like, I'll just go get a quick snack and come back and work more. Like, maybe I'll go outside and then you end up not doing it. So I think it really depends on the person. Like, if you're okay feeling like you can take advantage of that, then you totally should. Um yeah. An example of that is that Adobe has unlimited PTO. So, like, technically, we okay. can take off as much time as we want. Um, I don't know how Starbucks works with that. But I think it's more oh, popular we have, than like, like happening. It is. It is more popular. Like, I've seen across companies that, like, they offer this discretionary PTO. And it's, like, at the discretion of you and your manager and, you know, all these different things. Now, we have defined days, which I quite frankly think is very old school. and you can't tell me that if I'm working 52 weeks a year that I can only take four weeks off, right? Like, and that's just my, <laughs> my take on it <laughs> is the fact that it's like, I'm out here busting my butt. I work longer than nine, 10, 11 hour days. And you're telling me that my time is only worth four hours of vacation. I don't know. And then the whole like building it up through tenure. Like, so I, I completely understand where it comes from, but the whole like discretionary PTO thing is interesting to me because I believe that there are times where like, years I'll, I'll take the three years of my career for example like my first year didn't want to take too much time my second year took a little bit more time i used all of my vacation days and now this year i'm like you know i'm using every single vacation day that i get however and I need like, more. <laughs> yeah it, and it is like i need more but to your point brandon it's like i could actually use less of those vacation days if they allowed me to go on like a two-week trip at a time and then another two-week trip at a time and then I like, got like a Friday off here or there, right? And I'd be like right. totally satisfied. But it's just interesting to hear that like unlimited PTO is a, a thing that's real. And would you say that it's more around like just like the discretion of leaving during certain times, right? Like you guys are prepping for call it like a conference at the end of the month. Like there's no way you're leaving before this. But once the conference is over, sure, Brandon, take your week and a half or two weeks or whatever that may be. Yeah, no, it's, it's, you said it more correctly with the discretionary uh, time off because it's based on you and your manager. But the nice thing is, is like, yeah, take a week off, no problem. Like, and and some people that what I was getting at with that with that unlimited PTO is that there's actually like I think articles out there published by some kind of psychologist that people tend to take less days off when they when they have that. Yeah, because they don't know how to take advantage of it. Like, they feel bad for taking advantage of it, or maybe I didn't work hard enough, or, like, people are harder on themselves than, you know, if you had 15 days, like, I'm going to use every single day. You have unlimited, like, well, maybe I only take five days off this year, you know? So, yeah, um, that's true. Yeah, so, I mean, it's like a psychological thing. Oh, 100%. 100%.
like it just makes you think like to your point right it's like oh when i have 15 days like i'm going to use every single day up to the last bit but when you have unlimited it's like uh mm, i don't really need this vacation or you know what like i kind of feel bad going for like three weeks so maybe i'll just go for a week or like right like it's it's more around like the psych psychological aspect to, to your point where you were like us humans are harder on ourselves than anybody else's. Yeah, no, 100%. So I think there's that same aspect of the open campuses, maybe. I don't know. Um, you know, like, there's a soccer field there, but do I really do I really deserve that to have that time off? I don't know. Yeah, no, I, I definitely hear that. And I think it's it's good to hear that, like, you know, not every tech company is just, like, these big three, four, five, six tech companies that continue to kind of like bolster about what they do as a tech company and not to say that like there's anything wrong with a Microsoft, a Google or any Apple, right? Like I would quite frankly, I think anybody would love to work for those companies just because of how their valuation and the way that they innovate and all those fun things. But long story short, like it's good to hear that it's just up to your discretion at the end of the day. Like if you feel like you can do it, then do it. But the moment that you think like you can't is the moment that maybe you should stop doing that. Maybe you spent a little bit too much time on the soccer field and not getting your work done, right? Like, or maybe you ate way too much and you need to stop eating that much at lunch because it's starting to feel like nap time and nap time is not going to get your work done for you. Um, but yeah, so yeah. bringing that back full circle. And then lastly, Brandon, I have one last topic for you. Would still love to just learn a little bit more from you on like things that you do on your own, starting your own thing and just really like being successful in it right like the fact that you've built your own freelance business for yourself and been able to you know build up your resume and, and make less money than you should but still bolster up that resume I think is really interesting but I'd love to hear your thoughts again on like when you start your own thing and, and all that fun stuff like yes there's those minute tasks but like how where would you tell someone to start right like I think digital is the biggest piece in just understanding the scope of the work that you're going to get into um but I'd love to hear from your perspective where what what you think is like a good starting point and then where you kind of like run with it. Yeah. Um, so as like a kid in high school, I was freelancing, right? And I didn't really know what I was doing 100%. Like I made a couple of shitty websites here and there, but then like I would take a job that was like make an online gambling site. And I was like, okay, sure. Like that seems intense. Let's try it. <laughs> and that's really like where I just jumped into shit and was like, okay, I have no clue what I'm doing, but like, let's get it done. Same way, you know, with the, that you were talking about with Excel, I think you just have to have that like go getter attitude. And I'm, did, I don't know if you said earlier, uh, over promise underperform or what, I don't know what you said, but I'm a big, I'm a big fan of like, over promising and like hopefully getting close to it. If not, at least, you know, you're going to work your ass off to as close as you can get. Dude, I'm with you. Like that's been my biggest struggle. I think in corporate America has been like, they always say like under promise, over deliver, under promise, over deliver. But I'm like, no, I'm going to tell you exactly what I'm going to give you. And then I'm going to get you that. Like, and that's like, that's just been the way I've always operated because it's always been like same way as you are, Brandon. It's like, we're go-getters. And I'm not going to tell someone that I could get it to them by Friday when I could really get it to them by Wednesday, because if I get it to them by Wednesday, I can guarantee you I won't lollygag on it. I won't procrastinate on it. And quite frankly, like I'll do the best work that I can for you leading up to that. Sure. There might be one or two things to fix, but guess what? We have two extra days to fix them. So let's go back and fine tune right. it exactly. and then get that final thing to you. So that way we're done with it. Like I'd much rather show you a, sketch of what I'm working on before I even do it. So that way you can approve it and be like, yeah, what's wrong with that? Right? Like, I don't know. It's just been, it's one of those things I, where uh, you. I actually get in trouble at work. I actually get in trouble at work for that all the time. Like I'll be in a meeting with upper management and they'll be talking about all these things they want to do. And I'll be like, I can have it done in a week. I'll like, I'll say that. And my manager's like, fuck, like, why? Like, why, why, why? Stay a month. It's like, we have the time. Um, <laughs> so I get yelled at. I literally get yelled at about that. And, like, I'll I'll give it to them in, like, a week, and then they'll add a bunch of extra requirements on. But, you know, some people thought it was going to take a month. So, like, whatever. What do you – like, I don't know. I thought it was a good thing. But people don't want to work as hard. Plus, that goes into work. Like, balancing, who knows? Oh, yeah. And that's the funny thing, too, is, like, I think in working with people is that you find out how hard they actually want to work. 
right? Like for me, going through this transition period at start from Starbucks to Nestle has been really interesting because it allows people to show how hard they truly want to work. And I, and I could just sit back and, and kind of watch being at a junior level and being able to like work is deployed down to me, right? Like, okay, Chase, go do this or go do that. Or we need to get this done. We need to figure out a way to get it done or whatever it may be. But you see how hard people want to work. And some people are like, uh, and other people are like, oh yeah, let's get down into it. And my, my old manager, Luke, he was amazing because like any challenge that came his way, that man was tackling it. Like it was nobody's business and he would work night in and night out to get it done before everybody wanted it done and all that stuff like that. And I commended him for it because he was such a go-getter, but like just being able to kind of look as not an outsider, but looking at like some of our leaders and other people moving groove, I'm like, dang, like some of y'all really want to work and some of y'all would rather not, which is just fine. <laughs> yeah. Te- own, right. Like some people just want to take the paycheck and live their life. And I mean, that's fine, but I feel like, you know, it, it's, it's not going to work out. I mean, it might work out fine, but it depends on what your aspirations are. Yeah, exactly. And if you want to be that, you know, GM or CEO or VP or director, you're going to have to put that work in and no one's going to give it to you, right? Like you got to network, you got to prove your work, you got to prove your worth. But at the end of the day, like you got to, you got to hone in on that and you got to be a grinder or else no one's going to truly get that done for you. Um, yeah. But let Brandon, me let me wrap up. Last, let me go back. Go let me go back real quick. I wanted to say. So I started freelancing into like more shit that I you know maybe couldn't handle as well, and I would do my best, and I would get into that, and I would give them the product. And then once I started doing more of that, I got better at what I was doing. And then I started. Then yeah. I got found an actual real job, which takes out eight hours of your day, which is kind of shitty. But then I would contract because I would be <laughs> bored after work or I would want more money or something like that. So I would start contracting for other companies or startups and, you know, kind of consulting S thing, but also doing some coding for them, helping them grow in whatever way I can. And like, that was the next yeah. natural step for me. Okay. Okay. That makes from sense. From there. So it was like, it, it was like you understood yourself on a career journey that you didn't know about. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. I mean, that's the best part is like, just jump into things and see where it takes you, you know, where's some of the worst you fail and you go back to yeah. wherever, whatever you need to do, you know? No, you're right. And the best stories that I've heard about some entrepreneurs is just the fact that like, they're like, yeah, like I started this as a passion project. And the next thing you know, like I was making a little bit of money off of it. And then I started making a lot of bit of money off of it. And then I had to quit my job because, well, I was making more money off of my passion than anything else. And it was like, and that's the, what really stuck with me is just that somebody else was doing their passion, right? Like something they enjoy doing every single day. I think about professional athletes get to do their passion and, and truly live that every single day, but they had to put the work in. And it's like, you can do your passion project as a business if you put the work in and you put the time in and you set yourself up for learning and continual learning. And I love that about you, Brandon, is the fact that you were like, I like this. I'm going to continue doing this. Oh, well, I, I might need a little bit more money. I got a, I got a job now, but I still want to continue doing this because I love it. And well, yeah, money might be nice. And then you did it. And the next thing you know, like you end up at one of the biggest tech companies in the, in the globe, Adobe, and you're rocking it there. I mean, like you are absolutely rocking it there. And boy, every time we chat, I'm like, damn, Brandon, you just keep doing more and more and more. And then <laughs> I'm serious though. But like the last thing I, I appreciate that is, Bro, it's just the truth. Like, just just take it because it's the truth. And I have to ask you this. I ask everybody this at the end of every episode. If you're in an elevator, you have 90 seconds, and someone's like, hey, man, like, you look like you're full of knowledge. Like, what advice would you give me? I'm 21, 22, about to graduate college or whatever it may be. What advice would you give, it, would you give them, whether it be career or personal or just, like, life advice? Wow. I've never been asked that. People don't ask me that shit. They're just like, yo, what can you do for me? <laughs> <laughs> well, guess what? 90 second elevator. elevator. <laughs> Put your head down, work towards what you want. Uh, you know, have an end, have a goal in mind in the end. Like whether that's to the minimum goal, I, I'm a big fan of not thinking money is a goal because you'll never be happy. There's always more money to get. But to start, if money is yeah. your goal, then just like have that at the end of the mind. Like what's going to make me money? All right, I'm going to work towards that. You know, even like a big goal like that, do it. I just think 
put your head down, focus on something, um, work hard, ask people for help. Don't be afraid to ask for help, you know? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I love that, bro. I think that's so valuable. And it's just like, you got to be vulnerable and you got to be willing to work at the end of the day. Don't think you're the smartest one in the room because you're most likely not. And if you are the smartest one in the room, you're in the wrong damn room. And don't and be also don't act like that anyway. Yeah, don't, don't ever act like that because the moment you act like you know everything is the moment everyone's going to try you and prove that you don't know everything, yeah. right? And it's like yeah. you see that happen in the corporate office all the time where people come in and get caught on their heels or they get their cat, cat catches their tongue because they just don't know what to say <laughs> when they get caught left on their freaking heels and they're like, oh, shit, like uh, I don't know that. And it's like, oh, but you know everything, so how come you don't know this? And it's, right. I don't know, people, people find joy in proving other people wrong, especially when that one person is like, oh, I got to be the one person in, in – uh, the one person in the room that knows everything, but Brandon, bro, like this has been an amazing episode. I'm so happy that you were able to come on today. And I, I was finally able to, to catch you at a good time. Um, now that you're over all the sickness and all that fun stuff, rocking it up in New York. So again, man, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been more than a pleasure and I cannot wait to get this out into the world for everybody to hear. So Brandon, thank you one last time. No, thank you, man. Be Nasty Show coming up next, running for president 2020. Hey. <laughs> That's right. No, I appreciate <laughs> you for real. Seriously. Less than a year, Amazing. baby. Now, what an episode. Brandon, I can't thank you enough for coming on today. Y'all have a fantastic winning Wednesday. Go out, do something nice for somebody today. And if it's not today, do it for somebody for this week. You got to go make their day. You got to go make the world a better place. And yes, you can do that on your own. And lastly, go follow us on Instagram. Follow us on Facebook at underscore Millennial Way. Head to the website. Sign up for the Millennial Hustle. It's going to be freaking fantastic. You won't want to miss out on this exclusive content. I'm telling you, happy freaking winning Wednesday, y'all. I love you. I hope you have a fantastic day. Thanks for tuning in. And don't forget to follow our blog at itsmillennialtalk.com. Follow us on social media at underscore millennial way on Instagram and Twitter. 